You're listening to Four Seas One Family, episode 88. Welcome to Four Seas One Family, the podcast where expats, immigrants, and migrants can share and learn about life experiences abroad. I'm your host, James Thomas, coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan, and I'm so glad to have you traveling along with me on this journey, and welcome to the show. To keep up to date with our podcast, please drop by the Apple App Store or Google App Store to download our iOS or Android podcast apps. Now, these apps will help you keep up to date with our current episodes and allow you to communicate directly with us. Remember, your input will help us focus on topics important to you and further improve our programming. And I would greatly appreciate it if you could help me get the word out about this podcast by sharing episodes with family and friends via social media. And remember, we do have a lot more in common than we think. And thank you for listening to Four C's One Family. We are happy to sit down for a chat with our German expat world traveler who is at the time of this episode residing in the United States. Katharina van Nobloch, who has vast experience in the corporate world as a marketing and business development manager, spends time with us from Chicago, Illinois, to talk about her travels around the world, both alone and with her husband. You see, when people see Katharina traveling alone, she points out that they often ask her why she is traveling without her partner. Now, this type of questioning is perplexing to her because men who travel alone are almost never asked questions of this type. Now, could there be a bit of travel inequality that exists? And if so, why? Katharina also is a champion at helping women who travel with a partner find meaning in their lives. She helps women gain courage and find benefits while on their overseas journey, whether they are raising a family or seeking a career. So without any further ado, let's listen to the interview. How are you doing, Kate? Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, James. I'm great. Thank you so much for hosting me. Hey, I'm so happy to have you here. Let everybody know where you're coming to us from. So I'm originally from Germany, and I'm now living in Chicago, United States. How are you liking the traffic so far in Chicago? I, I like it. I mean, I don't have to drive the car, um, and public transportation is great here. So I'm really lucky. Uh, I guess Los Angeles and other cities are way worse. So Chicago is quite nice. What part of the Germany are you from? Um, from Munich, in the very south. So, where, where, where the food is good and the beer is nice, right? Food is good, the beer is nice, and the mountains are high. That's the only <laughs> thing I'm missing here in Chicago. There are no mountains at all. It's Everything is quite flat. Yeah, flat or underground. But there's parts in the States that are really, really wonderful. And um, I'm, I'm from New York City, not too far. So, you know, well, right now I'm in Taiwan, mm-hmm. but that's, that's home. Hey, so how long have you been in, in um, Chicago? So it's about almost one and a half years, um, but it feels way longer because <laughs> um, it was quite a journey to get here and to settle in, and it's great. I enjoy the time very much. Well, you've been all over the place. How many places have you been through? Uh, to, how many countries, I should say, have you been through? To, to, because you've been all over the place, I understand. Yes, yes. I love traveling, and I have never counted the countries, but I lived and worked so far in four different countries. Um, however, only for a couple of months here and there. So the United States is my first country where we are for about three years, actually. Three years. And in and, and, and pre-show, you mentioned that you came out to 
my part of the world out here in Taiwan, huh? Yes. I was working for the G German Chamber of mm -hmm. Commerce in Taiwan a couple of years ago. It was a great experience. And uh, I just went there because I have some friends from my study in Brighton in the UK. And one of my Taiwanese girlfriends got married and invited me. So I was looking for any opportunity to go there and to work there to afford the trip back then. And I instantly fell in love with the, with the country, with the food, with the niceness of the people. And I, I really want to come back. Wow. Well, well when, you, when you get back here, you know I'm going to pull you down to the studio and uh, really, really, you know, hear more about your, your expat immigrant experience. But when you go, bounce all over these places, how much research do you do before you get there or, or what? How do you do well, this? Not that much. I'm not really like to plan ahead. Uh -oh. So um, I'm going with my gut. I know, I know. So I'm German, but in that case, I'm not really German. <laughs> so... <laughs> But why did you say okay? Hold it. Year, why did you why did you say that? <laughs> now why did you say that just now? Because my German friends would jump on me if I didn't ask. Why did you say that? <laughs> it's a typical German stereotype that we are very you know efficient. We plan ahead, and everything is neat and clean. So um, yeah, when it comes to traveling, I'm not really German. Oh yeah, but as you were saying, you 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 don't do much research before you bounce out. I don't know how you can do that. It's a different way of experience another culture. So last year, for example, I went on a solo trip to Cuba from here. And uh, I should have planned ahead, I guess. I should have, but I did not. And I heard somewhere there's no internet, and uh, I even did not buy a travel guide before. So I landed in Havana. There was nothing there. Um, gladly for me, I can speak Spanish, which was very necessary. Yeah. And there was no travel guide, no internet. And I did not care about how to go to the city center and stuff like that. That was the first time I realized, hmm, I should have planned maybe. But then the taxi ride and all the connections I made with the people was so straightforward. And I came to so many nice encounters. And normally with a travel guide and with preparation, I might end up in a hotel. Wow. But this way, I ended up in a family house, and we had great talks. So, yeah, that's working out for me. That's interesting. Well, you 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 end up in Havana, you know, speak uh, uh, the local language of Spanish, you know, and uh, well, in Chicago, I'm sure the United States Spanish is very very usable. So, you know, with, with this kind of you know go get them attitude and stuff like that, what 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 would you say during your your journeys were some of the hardest adjustments you had to make? I mean, what was the most difficult challenge you had to face while abroad? Mm. I mean, when it comes to travel, the dif most difficult challenge was without being internet, without mm -hmm. being uh, any resource uh, to to see um, how how to book any taxi or or cab or something like that. So that was very different. Um, However, living abroad, it's more about doing the basic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's funny for me that, that even after one and a half years in America, uh, it's just sometimes struggling to go to the supermarket and ask for specific things. Oh. So it's funny how normal things can become tricky from time to time. Well, okay. See, it must be hard trying to go into some place that doesn't have a, an Uber. <laughs> so it's like, I'm sure that can really be <laughs> crazy sometimes. And, and you know, okay. So you you in, in some cases were able to speak the local language and, and, and things like that. How do you deal with you know? Wait a minute. Let me back up a little bit. Are you doing this all this travel by yourself or what? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Last year, I did uh, two and a half months travel all by myself mm -hmm. while my husband was working. It was a time we just settled in the United States. My work permit was pending, and all this thing. So I make the most out of my time and uh, traveled alone. Wow. Well, I'm telling you, your 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 better half, your husband, must be very easy to negotiate with because I would be worrying about my my other half traveling to some of these places in the world. How do you manage? I mean. He, I mean, did, how did you build up that kind of understanding, you know, where you can go someplace by yourself? And some places, you know, there are some pleasant surprises and sometimes there some surprises are not necessarily that pleasant. How do you deal with this type of communication? Yeah, true. I mean, travel is only good when it has two parts. It's um, especially traveling alone is not a vacation. Um, it's not about lying at the beach, reading a book, enjoying the sun. It's about exploring the world and learning as much as you can. Mm -hmm. um, in order to get to do it smoothly, I started with Mexico mm -hmm. and the Yucatan Island. So I knew there the criminal rates are quite low and it's you know more touristy. So I started there and then I slowly made my way to Cuba, which was much more challenging, and then to Ecuador and so on and so on. So it was kind of, I tried to make it as smooth as possible for me at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to travel to countries where I can speak the language, mm -hmm. which is really great when you are traveling alone. And then later on, I went to Thailand, where of course I don't speak the language, but then I was so used to travel that it was you know, easy for me. You know, maybe subconsciously you are you are you already have a plan somehow because <laughs> it sounds like you know a nice check checkerboard yeah. game. So maybe subconsciously. <laughs> oh, okay. I always ask uh, the people I have on the show here: What kind of interesting discoveries have you found uh, that you were that you couldn't predict, or you just found by accident that you that kind of sticks out in your mind during your travels? Um, especially traveling alone as a woman, I mm. found it so interesting to see that I. I met so many women who are traveling alone from all around the world, no matter the country. And I seldomly met uh, guys traveling alone. So it was interesting for me to see that no matter the culture, the backgrounds, um, women have the tendency to explore the world on their own. Most of the times when they have uh, big struggles at home, when there is a divorce, a family matter, or an identity crisis, or when there's free time on their hand, well, the guys prefer to go on a trip with their other friends and have a fun time. And that was my, my observation, um, at least from the number of people I've met and asked about their motivation for traveling. Mm. Uh, this was one thing. And the other thing was, for me, it was interesting to see the role of women in different cities. How I was treated in Mexico versus Cuba versus Ecuador versus Thailand or Taiwan. It's very interesting for me to see how um, males approach me, uh, what kind of questions they ask. And number one question, of course, was why would my husband ever allow me to do that? Mm -hmm. And it was kind of funny because this question never came up to my husband. He was kind of, I know that, that makes you happy, so go for it. I trust you. So, And that is also my um, social background where I'm coming from, that we have total equality here. And it was interesting to see how other cultures reflected on this, asking me why and 
are you a bad girl or um, is he a bad guy? Is he not treating you well? Or what is going on? It was funny to see. I, I want to get more back into that. But, you know, what does your, your friends and family back home, what, what do they think about you shooting around all these places, gun hoeing it to all these places? Because you obviously you're a br- very brave wo- woman. You know, how do they feel about that? Or how do you manage to communicate to them your overseas experiences? That's sort of depending on the age. It's obviously harder to communicate with my grandmother about the topic than to my other 30-something-year-old friends. Um, So with my other friends, I don't really talk much about that because it's quite obvious that they want to do this similar stuff or they're like, okay, that's typical Katerina. Mm -hmm. And for my grandma, it's more the question, why are you doing this? Why can't you be at home? I want to have grandchildren back home in Germany and, and things like that. So it's it's not really a discussion anymore with younger generations, I have the feeling. Yeah, I'm sure you probably see your friends back home raising their family and you see them. I mean, we are lucky enough to live in a time where communication is, you know, we got our Facebook, our Skype this, our Zoom that, our FaceTime this. But we can see what our friends and family are doing back home. I mean, do you ever feel like you, you're missing out on, on anything or anything that would make you feel at least a little bit homesick? Yeah, really good question. Um, I remember when I first moved abroad, it was to Spain for three months. It was like 10 years ago or something. Back then, there was no internet on my mobile phone or anything like that. So I had to walk a half an hour to the next internet cafe. I was writing an email to my friend once a week. So that was different communication. And back then, yes, I truly missed home and my friends and everything that was going on. But nowadays, things have changed drastically. So for me, after this podcast, I will call my mom. And I will not call her via audio. I will call her via video chat. And I can show her things I will bring along and stuff like that. So it's a total different experience. And um, I have quite common interactions with my friends all around the globe now, not only Germany, but also the other places I've lived in. And I do not have the feeling of missing out that much than like 10 years ago when I was in Spain, for example. Communication helped a lot. And um, what I'm doing with my grandma, for example, because there is no internet for her, still she's like the older generation, I send her digital postcards. Like I'm, I'm doing them digitally and sending them offline. So I'm thinking about different ways of communication with different people to stay in touch and I learned that quality comes over quantity oh, when it's about friendships and family. That is so, so true. What, what kind of questions then, then do people back home ask about, you know, you and these different overseas environments? I mean, I'm sure, you know, maybe they saw something on the news or, or saw something, you know, from a movie or something. What kind of questions do you get from friends and family back home about the places that you have visited over the years? Now they just ask me about the United States all the time because mm. we are living here. Right. And um, it, it's interesting for me to see that they never ask at the beginning if I'm safe or how is the atmosphere. They start asking these questions now because of the international media coverage and, and all this very interesting political turmoil that's going on right now and that I have the privilege to be here and to observe. And um, they're they're questioning more about that at the moment. And Mm -hmm. um, it's not really about the other adventures and trips because they are kind of in the past. And I'm sure when I will start um, planning the next trip, 
um, the focus will less be on America. But at the moment, the, all the questions are circling around how is the atmosphere, how is Trump influencing my connections to the Americans, and um, how is Germany seen as a country here? You mentioned something that I just have to tag on. When you living abroad, what kind of then on the other side of the coin questions do you get from people in, in usually in your local community? What kind of questions do they ask you when they, you know, they see you, they hear you speak and they know that, hey, you're not from around here. What kind of questions then do they deliver to you? Um, so I heard stories about that, especially Americans ask Germans whether we have cars and refrigerators. Um but I'm happy to say that these questions are not that common anymore. So um, I guess people have quite a good idea now what is what is Germany. However, the questions are really broad, uh, which show me that they don't really know exactly what Germany stands for, where is it located in the world, and what its connection is to Europe and things like that. So I'm always very amazed to realize that the questions they are always very broad and they're not going any deeper into any specific areas and um, oh. the funny thing is when i say when they realize my accent it's definitely german you can hear that um they say oh i have german roots as well and i say oh cool where from and then they say oh i don't know but my grandma she's half german and i was like yeah cool and have you been there no no no, never been there and i can't speak the language but i'm half german so they're very proud of the international background, uh, but unfortunately, you always end up realizing, okay, you, you are not, you haven't been to Germany, right. but you know, let me tell you something about the country. Yeah, most most Americans that I know back home, the only thing they know about Germany is the beer, which is probably good about about something yeah. about Germany. But you are also doing something to have people learn more about or understand or to get the best of their overseas experience. And you have this really, really cool, cool website. Let's talk a little bit about that, okay? Sure, sure. So the reason I started my, my website was that we came here in this traditional role of he, my partner, being the expert, sent abroad by his company and me being the expert partner who quit her job in mm. Germany and was forced to find something new. So that was like the role model we, we had at the beginning. And I, I used my network from back home in Germany to get a job here. But then unfortunately, some circumstances with a work permit and with the funding of the other company came in. So I was immediately in a situation where I realized, oh, okay, there's no job waiting for me. And I have to figure out on my own now what I do. Mm -hmm. um, how do I deal with this pending work? permit, how I deal with the fact that I'm not able to have the same level of occupation that I have had back in Germany in terms of responsibility and depth of, of my skills. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was working in marketing consultant consultancy back home and many companies here said, let's start with an internship or like a very young professional role. And I was not just, I was just not ready to give it up everything. And um, that was a very interesting phase for me. And I was realizing how much I gave up and how big the barrier is for me to, to continue my career. And then I started to do some research. I went out to talk to other expert partners and it struck me like it was a realization that it's not about me. It's not my own personal skills or journey, but 
all, almost all expert partners are facing the same difficulties in moving abroad and continuing their career. Mm. Only few expert partners are able to continue their career and find a job immediately. Uh, most other expert partners are very struggling. And what this does to your self-confidence is, is enormously. Yeah. So I felt a need to write about this and to show women how we put ourselves out there to continue our career and to say that we are as important as our husbands. Make the voice of your life or abroad heard at Four Seas One Family by visiting our contact page at fourseasonefamily.com forward slash contact. Let it be known that we have a lot more in common than we think because we are Four Seas One Family. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm looking at your site now. You you got everything covering expat partner struggles, working abroad, living abroad, travel and lifestyle abroad. But the name really is interesting to me. Share the love dot blog. I mean, why that name? Why share the love? I mean, is is there any particular reason why you use that name? Yeah, sure. It was the epiphany I had when I was talking to another expert partner and she told me her struggle. And by sharing me with me what she struggled about, it told me I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this journey of rejection when applying for jobs. I'm not alone in feeling alone in this new role. So I was thinking, let's share this. Let's, let's share all our experience experiences without whitewashing, without, Mm -hmm. you know, saying only things we want to say, but be honest to ourselves and say we all struggled. And therefore I call it share the love. Oh, what special path then do you take with someone who is living abroad, either as in an expat status or an immigrant status, or maybe even migrant status, who knows? What special path do you take to have them kind of like look at their own uh, existence in their overseas location from a different angle, from a different pair of shoes or different pair of eyes? Are there, is there any kind of special path you take to pull this out of people, to give them the, 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 how would you say, the uniformity to stand up and actually uh, be more aggressive in finding their own personal happiness? Yeah. So the very first step is realization. Uh, when you move abroad, everything can seem very negative. Everything is changing. Um, the language, the food, the, the climate, and the job, everything. So there's change in every layer, and that might be frustrating. And you might end up being very negative about everything that's going on right now. So the first step is to see what opportunity this living abroad is right now, actually. And that is like the unique opportunity for as a woman in an adult life to stop and reflect on what you really want in life and what career path you really want without just you know continuing and continuing because we're just used to it and we just had this job forever and now therefore we want to continue this job. It's a unique opportunity to stand still and think about our values again and to think about what do we want? Do we want a job now? Do we want a career? Do we want family life? And if it's career and family, how do we do this? So it's the first step is really to think about and to stand still before acting and before sending out hundreds of um, applications 
without any plan behind that. Yeah, because, you know, when you end up in different locations, you know, the different rules of the game as far as applying for employment or or getting, uh, how would you say, health care or, or little things like that can be quite challenging. And I understand you have a little, you, you've developed a, a workbook to um, to help people along. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I moved abroad, the first half year, I felt quite alone. I felt alone by the company of my partner. They gave me support in terms of health support and, and stuff like that. But I just did not know what to do, whom to address to find a job, what to change in my CV and how to communicate what I really want. So um, therefore, it was my goal to establish something that is like a guide who, com- who, who is part of your journey in this first six months or so mm-hmm. and shows you First, you're not alone if you're feeling like this or that. There are a lot of statistics in this workbook that show people that it's not an individual story. It's not your problem. It's a general problem. And now that we know that, how can we move on and how can we change the way you communicate and act and present yourself to potential employers so that it's more positive and that you can um, stand out from the other people you are competing with? Right. I mean, oof. I mean, it's, it's good that that I, that you're really putting it out there for people. But I, okay, you are taking it from a, a female women's perspective, and you know, in, in pre-show, I, I mentioned to you a term that I did not like, and that was called trailing spouse or things like that. I really find that term personally um, quite well degrading in, in many ways. I mean, how do you deal with that? I mean, when when what I should say this then, what issues do you say that are the most besides employment, but the, the parts inside of, say, a female that would cause them to feel, well, less important? I mean, maybe that's not a really good question, but that happens. Yeah, it happens a lot. And it's not unique. And every part, ex-partner I talked to had some story to tell me about this. And there's all terms like trailing spouse and even expert partner hmm. means that you're a partner of something. And I like to refer to expats. Both are expats. Uh, if you're working in a corporate setting or not from the very beginning, you are an expat because you moved abroad for a certain amount of time and you have to adjust. So it's, you're not the expert partner. And hmm. I hate this term a lot. Um, and it also, the problem is when you move abroad, uh, by a company's job you know what to do the first day you go there to your Mm. office and you have a new desk and everything there's kind of an infrastructure what is there for the expert partner Mm. the expert partner has to do everything else to make a home and to deal with all the general administrative stuff but then you both go out as a couple in a restaurant and you meet new people and the person asks so what do you do and then you don't know what to tell your partner has a great story and you don't know because you don't know yet because you're in transition. And when companies and the human resource industry use, are using these terms of trailing spouses, trailing partner, expert partners, that's actually the problem here because it's not something to do. It's just a stigma they, that is put on us. And when the question comes, what do you do? It's okay to say I'm in transition. But this is quite of a development for the partner to come to the conclusion. Um, so normally, she is just more quiet and say, "Yeah, I'm here for my partner's job," and then hope, hoping that the topic will go on. 
How much of your personal self do you put in your ways of or your system of helping people? How much of your personal stuff is in the content that you try to communicate with people who who want to talk to you about their overseas issues or adjustment issues? It's 100%. Mm. And it was tough at the beginning. It was tough at the beginning because it is a very difficult topic. And I was thinking when I was writing my first article about my feelings and the struggle of being the new expert partner, I was thinking, what should my old, my former boss think about me when he reads this article? And I was like, I can't, I can't publish that. People will see that and oh my God. But then I thought, no, I'm not writing for him. I'm writing for her, knowing that I'm not alone in situation. And when I found another article from another woman, I found comfort and confidence again. And therefore, I realized I have to give 100% from me. I have to be authentic and genuine. That's the only way I can empower and support other women. And therefore, I'm doing this without any restrictions. So I'm not holding back anymore. I'm not doing any whitewashing. It's important for me to put my word out there. How much then has your experience or your experiences living in so many different places has changed you? How much has your experiences changed you and maybe changed your ways of how you see the world, yourself, other people? How much? Hmm. I'm in I'm in transition all the time. Interesting for me, I'm from Germany. When I moved to the United States and people ask me where you're from, I now start to say I'm from Europe. I'm more feeling like a European than as a German. And um, I can imagine then maybe when I move to another continent, maybe to Asia or somewhere, I will say I'm not European. I'm, I'm more a world citizen. So it broadens my view uh, tremendously. I'm not really focused to a nation anymore. I'm, I'm focused on global issues. My interests have broadened so much. Um, I love to read and learn about every different culture, not just Germany, not just Europe. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger every day. Tell me, I, I, I always ask this question to all my guests. If you were to advise someone who is maybe thinking about going abroad to, you know, to gain more worldly experiences or to someone who is already abroad but not having the best out of their overseas experience, whether that's in the status of an expat, immigrant, or a migrant, what advice would you give to people like that who are want to reach out and ask you, how can they help themselves? Uh, my first advice is be patient, be grateful, but only also know what you're doing already. When you move abroad, we feel that we're not enough. We are not doing well in every bits and there. So um, just be okay with your progress right now and realizing that moving abroad and um, living this life in a very foreign culture is nothing normal. It does not come normal to us. So going to the supermarket, going to the doctor can be a challenge and don't get frustrated by it, but embrace it what it is, a great learning experience. And just be patient along the way. It will come. It will come. It's a normal uh, development. I recently talked to a woman who just moved for the fifth time. So the last 30 years, she has been living abroad. And she told me, Katerina, can you please call me like half in half a year? I'm into my new country because I know I will be devastated and depressed. It's just normal to us. And we can train and become better and better and educate ourselves. 
but it's like normal adaptation. It needs for us to be patient and be okay with setbacks. Wow. You know, it's really, you're a very powerful woman and I really appreciate you being on the show. Tell everybody how they can find you because we already know that the the, the blog is uh, sharethelove.blog. What else, what else, uh, what is another method that people can find you? Yeah. So the blog is really a good uh, entrance point. And, and also um, follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I love to share my bits and pieces from my daily life of living in America. And yeah, so you can find me on all social medias and most of our event blog. Well, we're going to put all that in the show notes and get the help, get the word out. Because like I say, people have a lot more in common than they think. Thank you very much, Katharina, for being on the show today. And um, we'll be hearing from you again, I'm sure. Thank you so much, James. It was a pleasure. Once again, I'd like to thank Katharina for joining us here at Four Seas One Family. Now, remember to visit her blog at sharethelove.blog, and I'm sure you'll find her resources very useful. And if you can, please give me a hand by helping me get the word out about this podcast by leaving a favorable review in Apple Podcasts and within your social media community, because with your help, we can tear down the walls that divide us and build bridges that unite us because we really are four C's, one family. Wishing the best for you in all your endeavors. From Taipei, Taiwan, I'm James Thomas. Take care. Zai Jian.